So Lord, we ask that you would fill us with your spirit. You would enable us to hear. You would enable us to trust. Oh Jesus, would you show up for us this morning? We ask this in your name, amen. All right, so, oh Lord, is this not what I said when I was yet in my country? This is why I fled for Tarshish. I knew you were a gracious God. I knew you were a merciful God. I knew you were the kind of God that would relent from disaster. Okay, okay, I've heard it already. I get it. I get grace, says Jonah. So, Jonah is informed, not transformed, by grace. You know, perhaps the deepest question in all this book, in the whole book of Jonah, there's this deep, deep question. It sits there, not on the surface, but it's down in the subterranean levels of the book. You can't get there with a rake. You can't take a rake to the book of Jonah and push the leaves on the top of the surface of the book. You've got to get a shovel and you've got to dig to go down into the subterranean levels to find its deepest mystery, to find its deepest question to find where God is sitting and where God resides. What's the question? Perhaps this is it. I think it is. Here's the question. How does God's grace move from information to transformation? How does God's grace move from information in your life to transformation in your life? Now remember, this is a book to Christians. This is a book to the church. This is a book to people that want to grow in the Christian life. This is a book to people that believe in God. This is a book to church leaders. This is a book to prophets. This is not necessarily, though it is, secondhandly, like window shopping. The skeptic gets to look in, but the main target is you and me. How does grace move from information to transformation in your life? How does it do it to the person that's sitting next to you right now? How does it do to those of you that are parents to your children? How does grace move from information to transformation if you're a church leader in this church and you teach the scriptures, you teach the children, you teach the youth? How does this happen? Are you ready for the answer? Because I'm just going to give you the answer. You kind of know the answer. The answer first started with a call to go to Nineveh, a mission. And then it happened with a storm. And then it happened with a great fish. And then now it brings us to this place of an even bigger revival. What's the answer? How does God's grace move from information to transformation? The book of Jonah, the Bible, God answers. Here it is, by a work of grace alone. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. How do we change? How do you change? How does someone next to you change? How does a life change? Answer from Jonah. Answer from the Bible. Answer from this book is by a work of of God's grace alone. 
Theologians call this monergism. Maybe you've heard it before. God transforms, and it's in the plural. So it's God works alone. God performs alone. God does it alone, but he does it in the plural. So there are many works. There are many movements of God. There are many times that God is personally and actively present. There are many transformations. There are many ways that he shows up. God transforms us alone. That's what monergism says. It means, it means this. It's not a work of synergism. It's not a work of God and you. You and God don't work together. There are not two deliverers. There are not two activators. There are not two transformers. There are not two saviors doing this work. The Bible says it this way. This is what was called sanctification by faith alone. Paul was here. It's sanctification by faith. It's not sanctification by faith plus works. So it's sanctification by trusting Jesus and his salvation. It's sanctification by trusting in a finished, accomplished salvation. Somehow, when we trust in Jesus and his salvation as a Christian, you're transformed. You become a healthy Christian. You become a healthy church. I said this in the new members class. Anytime that the doctrine of justification was recovered in the life of the church, you had the greatest outpourings of the Spirit of God upon the church and upon the culture. The greatest outpouring happened in the 1500s, except to Pentecost. And then the next greatest one was called the Great Awakening, and everybody wants to know, what was the secret to all of them? And they try to imitate all the methods and all the systems and all the trellis that was set up. But the secret... The power, what did it, was a recovery of actually faith in Jesus and the salvation alone. It activated and released divine life and divine power into the church and into the world and to prophets and to priests and to church leaders. It transformed. How does grace move from information to transformation? By a work of God's grace alone. Here's what's so cool, though, about the book of Jonah. It could have just told us that, right? Just like we just did. We could have just did theology. It could have just came up here and said, yep, by faith alone, sanctification by faith alone, monergism by a work of God's grace alone. But the book of Jonah doesn't tell us. The book of Jonah shows us. Because the book of Jonah is meant to be expressed experienced. You're meant to feel it. You're meant to see it. You're meant to taste it. You're meant to smell it. You're meant to change on the spot right now. Not by applying some biblical principle later on in your life. You know, okay, I'm going to change. You can give me a biblical principle, and then sometime this week I'm going to apply it. And then I change. You're meant to change on the spot right now. Not by you trying to be like Jonah or really not being like Jonah sometime this week, and then you change on the spot. Not by you somehow activating 
the Holy Spirit in your life. You know, no one really knows how that happens, but there are a lot of books that will try to tell you how. You know, and sometime after the cowboy game, you finally figured it out. And you experience transformation in your life. The book of Jonah is so stunning because it doesn't come outright and tell you. It shows you. It takes you there. You feel it. You see it. You experience it. So, the seatbelts are on the left-hand side. Verse 10, when God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he said he would do to them, and he did not do it. So God calms his wrath. You see, that's happening. Right there in verse 10, God calms his wrath. Biblically, theologically, this is called propitiation. In other words, God satisfies his wrath. He calms his wrath. And so the question that all of us should be asking right now, when you first hear this for the first time, is how did that happen? Right at the very beginning of the story, how does God propitiate his wrath? How did he calm it? Stay tuned. Verse 1 of chapter 4, But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. So literally it says he was infuriated. He was burning with rage. So picture this. God calms his wrath. Jonah kindles his. Verse 5, Jonah went out of the city and sat east of the city. This means Jonah goes into the desert. That's what's happening here. And he goes to the desert willingly. He goes to the desert because he wants to. He goes to the desert because it's in his heart. You cut Jonah's heart, and he has all desire to go to the desert. In the ancient world, the desert is the land of the dead. In the ancient world, the desert is the domain of demons. In the ancient world, the desert is where God is not. And he wants to go there. It's in his heart. Then look at verse 5 again. Jonah went out of the city, sat east of the city. East of the city. So not only that, he's going into the desert, but he's going east. Going east in the Bible is never a good thing. Adam and Eve were banished to the east after their sin. Cain settled to the east after his sin. Humanity, after the great flood, migrated to the east to build the Tower of Babel. And then Lot traveled east to Sodom and Gomorrah. Going east is never good. Verse 5, Jonah went out of the city, sat east of the city, and he made a booth. He made a hut for himself. He sat under it in the shade till he could see what was going to become of the city. So Jonah makes his own shade. Jonah says, I'll deliver myself. I'll protect myself. I'll make shade. Do you feel it? Do you feel Jonah running away from God again? Do you feel his uncontrollable emotions? Do you see this in the text? One moment, like one moment, he's exceedingly angry. He's exceedingly exhausted. He's exceedingly depressed. I want to die, he says. And then another moment, he's exceedingly happy, the text says. He's exceedingly glad because of a plant. I mean, 
What's he going to be two hours from now? What's he going to be tomorrow? You know, a psychologist would say, Jonah's bipolar. Do you see his spiritual blindness? He can't see ultimate reality. The passage starts, the whole thing starts with God calming his wrath. That is the ultimate reality. That's like the fabric of the whole universe. That is what is meant to be true and good and beautiful. It's what, what it's meant for you and me to see. It's what the whole world is supposed to see, that God has somehow calmed his wrath. God has somehow propitiated his justice. And that sets the story of life. And that's reality. And he's spiritually blind. He doesn't see it. He keeps kindling his. Do you see and feel his deepest desires? I, he says, I want the desert. I want to go east. I want to run away from God. Do you feel that? Do you feel it in your own bones? Now, feel his grace. See his grace. Smell his grace in this text. Taste his grace in this text. God never, not once, in this whole story, he never stops moving towards Jonah. Never. When he sent the mission, he was moving towards Jonah. When he sent the storm, he was moving towards Jonah. When he sent the big fish, he was moving towards Jonah. When he sent a bigger revival, he is moving towards Jonah. And then here, I mean, right here, right here now, and all this dialogue, we're having, they're having it out, man. They're having this discussion. In all of this, God keeps answering. Here's the biggest one of all. I was not shocked. I mean, I guess maybe because you hear the story so much. When I was reading this text, I'm like, okay, the fish, I didn't get, I didn't get startled by the fish. I didn't get startled by the storm. <laughs> I didn't get startled by the mission. I got startled that God kept answering his stupid prayers. Verse 2. And he, Jonah, prayed to the Lord. Right? Look at verse 4. And God answers. And the Lord said, do you well to be angry? And then Jonah has two more stupid prayers. And God keeps answering them. Verse 8, he asked that he might die again. And God, but God, in verse 9, said to Jonah, do you well to be angry for the plant? And then Jonah says, and he said, yes, I am. And yes, I do. Thank you. And then verse 10, and God said, and God said, and God said, God is a God that keeps listening to an angry Jonah. God is the God that keeps answering an exhausted, depressed, running away Jonah. God is the God that keeps rescuing Jonah. God is the God that sends a storm, that sends a mission, that sends a fish, that sends a revival to get Jonah. 
God goes with Jonah when he runs away. Do you see that? I mean, now we got the whole book, right? He goes with Jonah when he runs away. God leaves the promised land and goes to Tarshish. God leaves the place of the temple and goes where all the beasts and the underworld is, the sea. God goes with Jonah when he sinks to the underworld. God goes with Jonah when he's swallowed by a fish. And then God goes with Jonah right into Hitler's home court headquarters in Nineveh. And God keeps loving Jonah, keeps sanctifying Jonah, keeps transforming Jonah. God, God. God, 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 God. God is the God of grace. And God is always, always moving towards you. Be transformed by that. That transforms. And let me say this as crystal clear as I can. It's the only thing that will transform you. Period. So many of us, we recited the Apostles' Creed, right? Many of us believe the Apostles' Creed. We believe the Westminster Confession of Faith. We have right doctrine. We have good theology. We have biblical truth. We believe. We're well-informed. But we love little. I mean, let's be honest. We love little, right? Little friendship with the friendless. That's the test. I mean, honestly, it's like the test is everyone's a friend with the friendly. Everyone's a friend to your people. But friend to the friendless? We have little compassion for the weak. We have little love for the unlovely. We have little forgiveness for the undeserving. We have little ministry to the evil. But we believe the Apostles' Creed. But we believe the Westminster Confession of Faith. But we believe good theology and good doctrine. This is a Christian, this is the church. Every single Christian, every single church is more informed than they are transformed by grace. It's just a fact. It's called sanctification. So, what are you going to do? Honestly, let's have an honest conversation. How are you going to change that? How are you going to move information about grace to transformed by grace. How is that going to happen? Informed or transformed? I want to be transformed, so what are we going to do? Are you going to keep trying to believe more? Are you going to keep trying to feel more? Are you going to keep trying to will more? Are you going to keep trying to do more? Or are we going to do again, we're going to find a biblical principle in this text, and then somewhere in this week you're going to apply it, and you'll be like, I did it! Are you going to... Take a 500-page discipleship manual and crush it. You're changed. 
Are you going to be the only one who figures out the secret to activate the Holy Spirit? Good luck. Or are you going to be transformed by the greater Jonah? You know, it's so interesting, I'm still, I, I haven't gotten over the first time that I realized, oh, Jesus calls himself the greater Jonah. Number one, that is the most unpopular thing he could have done in those days. Jonah was not, he was a celebrity pastor until Nineveh. After Nineveh, he's what happens to all celebrity pastors. Quickly forgotten, nobody wants to associate them, everyone burns their books. You know that's true. We blog about them. We revel in their fall. I must stop. So, Jesus says, here's what happens. I mean, it's incredible. It's an incredible scene. So all these church people and these church leaders come up to him and they say, Hey, give us a sign of transforming power. You say you're from God. Give us a sign that God is presently active and at work in your ministry. Give us a sign of transforming power. Give us a sign of the kingdom of God. Give us a sign that God shows up. Give us a sign. And no one expected what he would do next. I'll give you a sign. I'm the greater Jonah. Do you see what Jesus is saying? We haven't unpacked it yet, but here's what he's saying. Do you want to be transformed? I'm the greater Jonah. Do you want to have power released in your life so that you get sanctified by faith alone? It's in the greater Jonah. Do you want to learn to love more instead of love little? Greater Jonah. Do you want to be a healthy Christian in a healthy church? Greater Jonah. I am the greater Jonah. Well, what do we know about this? Well, Jesus would say, listen, listen to me. He's looking you right now in the eyes, spiritually speaking. And he's saying, Jonah ran away from sinners. I run toward them. Jonah was informed, not transformed. I am perfectly informed. I believe perfect truth, perfect doctrine, perfect theology. I am. And I'm perfectly transformed, perfectly loving, perfectly obedient, the perfect human being for you. You get it from me. He looks at you and he grabs you again, grabs you by the cheek and says, listen, Jonah was swallowed by a fish for his sin. I was swallowed by hell itself for yours. Jonah kindled his wrath on Nineveh. I calmed God's wrath on Nineveh and on you.
be transformed. By grace alone. Jesus is your righteousness. He's your greater Jonah. Jesus is the Jonah in you. He's your greater Jonah. This is the sign. This is the power. This is what changes everything. Many of you are mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically. Did I get all of them? Is there any other component out there? Exhausted. Stressed. Anxious. Burned out. Depressed. And here, please hear me. Of course you are. Of course you are. You see demand. That's a conversation I have with Adrian. Sorry, dude. I'm not preaching right at you. But I am. You see demand. You see sin. You see little love. You see synergism. God does his part. I got to do my part. You see two activators, God and you, so I need to get busy. You see Jonah. Do you know what God sees? The greater Jonah. And when you start seeing the greater Jonah, you get some help. Be transformed by grace alone. I'm going to end this way. Can we talk honestly about ministry just for a moment? Because this is, you know, like my wheelhouse. This is some of our wheelhouses here, Colin's wheelhouse. I mean, it's our calling. Like some of us are called full time to do this. So it's pretty important to us. And Obviously, so I just want to have an honest conversation just briefly about ministry. I want to, about preaching, teaching, even the communicator, uh, the church and its leadership, its worship, its community, its mission. Here's what I want to say. Can we talk honestly? Yes? Okay, thank you. Ministry is boring. And it's powerless. And it has no thunder and lightning today. Because ministry today is being informed, not transformed. And when ministry comes to be about being transformed, we will throw away all our silliness. We will throw away our boring tones. If we ever recover the radical reality that the grace of God alone works, performs, is active and living and transforms and changes you and changes me and changes our marriages and changes our kids and changes the culture and changes everything. Until that happens, ministry is going to continue to be boring. It's going to continue to be blah. It's going to continue to have no thunder and no lightning. So let's, let's start a reformation.
Let me pray for us.